1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee and joining me as always in Southampton, England is our professor of peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, two weeks ago, you gave us, and not just me, you gave the whole world 10 things to watch for during the Scotties. I assume you have done the same for the briar.
0: All right, Ryan, I'm back with my 10 questions. Uh, there's actually a can we do them quick?: We'll see, it depends how quickly you answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Number one, how sharp will teams be? We saw this in the Scotties, right? The teams, especially in the beginning of the week, weren't super sharp. So is this going to be a disadvantage for some teams, and which ones do you think?
1: So yes, that, here's, the, here's the question for you, Jonathan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script here. I'm going to ask you a question because my initial thought? Is it would be a disadvantage, like the the notch the non-sharpness, like the non the the lack of reps. To me, it would be a disadvantage for a team like Brad Gushu, who relies so much on, you know, they they kill you with precise rock positioning. Is that a disadvantage for them, or is the fact that they start at a level so much better than most other teams? mean that they'll still be able to to use that their, to their advantage to win? Like, I mean, like basically like Homan and Anderson just did this week.
0: Yeah, I think, so, okay, there's two parts to this. So part one is, I think we just saw in the Scotties that the, by the end of the week, the cream rises to the top. So Which is what I told you would question, happen.
1: That is literally verbatim what I told you would yeah. happen. And you tried to tell me that that would not happen.
0: Yeah, so you were right. So I'm not I'm not good for sports talk radio, but you were right there. But I think the difference here is the field is deeper. And oh, so, yeah. right? It's, it's basically crazy. been Kui-Gushu the last seven years, right? Some yes. iteration. I guess you throw, unless you count Johnny Mo with Kui's old team, right? So it's basically Kui-Gushu. So if we if we define this as, say, a team like, I don't know, say a botcher, or Dunstone or a McEwen can a team like that, who's fully capable of being these teams is, does this kind of inconsistency create a crack for them? Then I'd say, yes. Are we going to see Greg Smith win the Briar? Sorry. No, I don't think that's going to happen, but we might see some upsets. Cause we saw that too in the Scotties, right? So that's certainly possible.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be crazy. And the, the, the question, I mean, it's really like does like when I think of Gushu, I think of them beating teams because like their rock positioning is just so precise. and yeah, so are they gonna be at a disadvantage or is the fact that they're just so much better than a lot of teams? like does that just does that come through? like I don't think I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna miss the championship pool, <laughs> but like do they miss the playoffs because that lack of precision? Gives them a loss that they might not have had at the beginning of the week, and then that's the reason they miss playoffs.
0: I I do think that like the Scotties favored slightly hitting teams over drawing teams. Okay, right. Like you can definitely. I would think of Einerson and Holman as the hitting teams, right? And they got through mm-hmm. the kind of round robin play with better records, not without hiccups, right? So I no one. I don't think anyone's going to run the table, but I do think that the lack of season advantages hitting teams. So that might favor a Jacobs or a McEwen okay. over, over uh, a Gushu That's what I would say. All right. Most likely to miss the playoffs, Ryan. So only three teams can make the playoffs kind of the perennial teams for the playoffs. The last five to seven years has been Gushu, Jacobs, Cooey and Botcher. So one of those has to be voted off playoff Island. Who do you think is not going to make it?
1: You said most likely, so I'll say I'll say Jacobs.
0: All right, Jacobs, Jacobs,
1: Jacobs because of those four, the last couple of years, I think that they've been a clear fourth among those four in terms of looking at play in the Briar.
0: All right, is it Botcher or Dunstone's time? So last year is probably Dunstone was the breakout star of the Briar, kind of making a good run, run to the playoffs. Brendan Botcher has now lost the last three finals. Do either of them get it done this time?
1: Yeah, you've been talking about Botcher time for the entire history of this podcast. Um, I'm going to say no, because I I think it'll be, I, I, I think for this quad, we are still talking about Kui and Yushu.
0: Yeah, this feels very much like the quad where it was basically they're going into 2010 where it was Martin or Howard the entire time. And it's either going to be Martin, it's going to be either Kui or Gushu at the Olympics. That's my hunch. All right, next one. So Johnny Mo is back. Does it matter? Does it matter that he hasn't played four-person since 2018?
1: No, because no one else has played.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also... <laughs> John Morris has perfected the fine art of just parachuting into teams and winning, right? Like he, yes. in, in fact that's that's his preferred MO these days is he shows up when he wants to win something.
1: Uh now that now that we have legalized sports gambling in the state of Virginia, can I get odds on John Morris kiss, kissing a cardboard cutout in the middle of a game?
0: Uh well, if he hears this, it'll be high. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you the
1: odds on John Morris listening to this podcast.
0: Low. <laughs> well. Which team is the wily Vets who are likely to ruin someone's day? The easy
1: answer would have been Glenn Howard, but he's hurt. He was in a snowmobile accident that I guess whatever he injured in the snowmobile accident has been slow to heal. So, uh Thinking good thoughts for Glenn Howard. Hope he'll heal up uh, heal up quickly, but he will not be hundred percent for this Briar, so that's why I'm not going to take Glenn Howard. Um I am going to t- man, it's really for me, it's between James Grattan and Eddie McKenzie. I will take James Grattan. And he has added Johnny Buke, who played with Scott McDonald at the Briar a couple of years ago, representing Ontario. He's added Johnny Buke as Dr. Johnny Buke as his third for this event. I will take I will take New Brunswick.
0: I'm going to take. All right. My runner up is Mike Fournier.
1: Runner up. I thought I thought for sure you would take Mike Fournier.
0: I, I am. Well, I'm a Québécois at heart and I'm a partisan for Quebec. I think they're a good team. They're kind of like top 20 in Canada these days and definitely like shot for the pre-trials for sure. Uh, I think the team that everyone sleeps on that's actually always there and the guy with the smoothest slide in curling is Jim Cotter. So I'm going to take Jim Cotter, Steve Laycock. They've been there. Uh, They're going to be dangerous. I think, again... They, this is one of these cases where maybe the lack of a season plays into their advantage because they don't tour as much as they used to, but they certainly have a lot of tour experience. So basically everyone else is at their level this year, whereas in previous years, the gap between their tour play and those of the, the top four or five teams showed, this might give them a chance to to kind of claw back the field a little bit. All right, next question. Is this Glenn Howard's last Briar? We know he's injured, but is he? Is, so, I, clarification, Ryan, because I, I, it hasn't been clear based off their social media posts. They've been saying that Wayne Madaw is going to get some games. Yeah is is it is it looking now like he's going to get most of the games or all of the games, or is there there any more insight here?
1: I have not. I do not have any more insight than what has previously been reported.
0: Okay. So, but it is a fair question. I mean, and we've been asking this question since um, 2014, I'd say. Yes, and I mean, I we kind of had a little chat, and I, I we had a little chat with the Game of Stones guys, a chat group, and I joked, "Why don't you just send?" Well, I was saying Russ, but maybe Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Howard and Sherry Anderson is the mixed doubles team because they both got the touch, and they're just going to keep curling forever. But the, there's also just the question of are they going to be able to qualify, right? They're kind of been a bubble team the last few Briars. They got in this year as wild card three. So that means that two teams are higher than them on CTRS from the the non-competing teams. So this might actually be our last chance to see Glenn Howard or Briar, depending on what he decides to do at the end of this quad, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, Everyone keeps telling him, everyone keeps assuming that He's going to retire and I don't, I mean, he's still, he's still really good. Like, he comp- yes. like he's, still, <laughs> he's still better than a lot of teams, most teams.
0: <laughs> he's better than most teams and he's by far still the sharp sharpest strategist out there, right? Mm. He's got a good 15, 20 years on, well, like Brad Gushu and, well, I guess 10 years on Brad Gushu and and Kevin Cooley, but uh, he's got a few years on most of that field. Let's put it that way.
1: I think he's like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's what, he's 58. I think he could play. I think he could play till he was 62. I think he's got another quad in him. Um,
0: you think he's got one more quad in him?
1: But that's not the question. Obviously the the question is, is this his last Briar? Oh man. I'm going to say no. And here's why. I think they're going to keep this field at 18 going forward. I you think, think so? I do. And dude knows how to collect points on tour, man. He does. He's got – like you talk about Wiley Vets. He's got this point system figured out. He knows how to collect them mainly. Well, most of that is because he beats teams. <laughs> but like <laughs> yes. Glenn, Glenn Howard on on like club ice – like he's going to, I don't know, something about Glenn Howard on club ice just destroying people on tour. So I think he's going to collect enough points that he will qualify for one more Briar.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. He's a better ice reader than most of the teams today. The, the teams that come up to the slams are used to playing on really good ice. And um, Glenn Howard's probably played a lot of curling on very bad ice. <laughs> and that's a bit of an advantage, yes. right? He's, he's <laughs> the, you know, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, like if you go back and look at old '90s Briar tapes, the ice was not good, and part of the trick was learning how to play difficult ice. So he knows how to do that for sure. All right, McEwen, Jacobs, and Appin—they've been touted as next for years. I actually, speaking of Glenn Howard, I actually saw Glenn Howard speak at a bond spiel I played in in 2008, and he was asked then who he thought the next great curler in Ontario was going to be. And he said, John Epping and in a certain sense he was right. Cause John Epping's clearly kind of inherited the Ontario title from Glenn Howard. But the way he was talking, he was like within five years, John Epping's going to win a Briar. John Epping's top five, but he's, there's, there's also a way in which he hasn't really punched through and kind of a Briar. He's kind of failed to qualify for a number of years for Briars, partly because he couldn't get past Glenn Howard. <laughs> um, right
1: in 2008 like if i was glenn howard like if i if i had if i if i had accomplished in curling what glenn howard had and someone in 2008 said who's the next great curler out of ontario i would have looked at them and said glenn howard
0: <laughs> and you would have been right
1: <laughs> it would have been like i would have been like yeah, this entire next generation is hosed because they're never getting to a Briar because I exist. They better root for me to win the Briar and come back as team candidate.
0: <laughs> so, but I mean, if you go back, even a little later, like 2010, right? So Mike McEwen is named in the Fit to Curl, which is by Dean Gemmel and John Morris. And this is around 2010 also as the next big thing on tour. And you know, by that point, Mike wasn't a regular TV guy, and he certainly's had a lot of cash success, but it still hasn't won a Briar. And then Jacobs, I think, you know, won the Briar in 2013, won the trials in 2013, won the won the Olympics in 2014, but since then has basically struggled getting past the playoffs, like winning the Briar and winning winning major competitions, right? Yeah, so he's been to he's been to a bunch of finals. He's won a Canada, he's won Canada Cubs. Yeah, well, so is Epping, right? And so is McEwen. My point, Ryan, is that of those three teams in twenty they in 2010 would have been seen as next, combined, they have one Breyer title, right? So do any of them get it done this week? Jacob's been looking for that second title for seven years now. McEwen has come so close so many times. Probably the biggest heartbreak was the, the Olympic trials back in 2017 and John Epping, you know, basically he's, you know, he's made what two briars is this his third, is this his fourth briar or third briar, but he's, you know, has a good show during the week, but when it comes to the playoff time, it's always Cooey and Gushu. So do any of these three teams break through and get it done this week?
1: This is, it's so hard to make a prediction for this field. And cause there's, there's so many teams that could win it. Those three teams you just mentioned, and then, and then Cooey, Gushu, Botcher. And then, I mean, Dunstone. Dunstone was in the 1-2 game last year. So, like, you've got seven or eight teams that could legitimately win this tournament where I don't think you had half that many for the Scotties, to be honest. So.
0: And I would add Gunner to that. I think Gunners fully capable of pulling a Schuster in the sense of basically hanging in there Perhaps eking into the playoffs and then just once you're in the playoffs, you get hot, especially in this format, you could win it all.
1: I'll say I'll I'll say yes. I'll say one of those three does it. Someone breaks through.
0: All right. Who do do you have? How about how about John Epping? I could see that, right? John Epping is like the thing about John Epping is he is so streaky. Like when he's on, the year he won the Canada Cup, it was like he's throwing 99%, missing nothing, doing spectacular shots, but then he can just be off. I know. And in some ways streakiness might play into not having a season. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, if he just I mean, he'll either Everyone's going to be streaky this week. Yeah. Everyone's going to be streaky, and John Epping's used to being streaky, whereas some of the—Gushu's like Gushu's not used to being streaky. He's just methodical.
1: Except Kevin Cooey, I fully expect him to come into this tournament having not thrown a rock in who knows how long and just shoot
0: 95%. I mean, it could just be. It could just be the end of the week is Gushu Cooey again, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I would I would actually like— if it's me personally, I would like one of these three teams to win because they've been kind of so close and it, it's a bit painful uh, to see them not get over the top. And I'm kind of, like my rooting interest tended to just be see a new team win. Like I'm not oh, upset yeah. if it's Kui or Gushu, Gushu again, but it's like, it'd be nice for one of those three. What non-Slam teams are we watching for here? Um...
1: God, there's so fewer, like on the men's side, there's so fewer teams that are non-Slam teams just because internationally the game has caught up a lot more on the women's side. Like you look at it, and it like you look at the fields in slams and on the women's side, there's a lot more international representation. And then on the men's side, it's a ton of Canadians. Um, yeah. It's like a ton of Canadians into Dean and Cruz, and Moet. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot to pick from in terms of non Slam teams in the prior. Um, how about Mike Fournier with uh, Martin Crête? Yeah, I think that. Even though he was not, that would be a fun team. Uh, I think that they. Yeah, they'll be fun. I'll pick them. I'll go, double, you know, double Quebec. Double Quebec because we had we had some good Quebec moments at the Scotties. Let's get some more good Quebec Quebecness in the Briar.
0: Yeah, my other nominee is Greg Smith. I think that'll be a fun team. Oh yeah. And then I I'm kind of curious how Grattan does. Jimmy, the kid who's <laughs> my age, about. Um, so, but you know. He's kind of again. He's someone who's always there, and actually often gives the slam teams a good game. And it's one of these. It's a bit like, it's a bit like a Sherry Anderson who you know pulled off a few upsets. Maybe can't qualify for the playoffs, but probably's probably got a decent shot of the championship pool. So I think they're another team I'd take a look at.
1: He's in the pool that it's most likely for him to do something and and get through.
0: Yeah, are there? Any Briar rookies?
1: I think there's. A, I don't know this for sure. I think the only two are Northwest Territories and Yukon.
0: <laughs> All right. I so we're gonna
1: have to. <laughs> so your rookie of the year. That your rookie of the year is going to be decided when those two play each other.
0: That's <laughs> true. And it's Mike Fournier's second Briar, so we can't give him the rookie of the year.
1: Yep. It's Greg, Greg Smith's yeah. second as well. Scott yep. McDonald's second Briar.
0: Yep. All right. How about let's close the philosophical question. I think it's Ryan, Gunner's second
1: Briar too. If you don't I mean, yeah obviously you don't count the wildcard game that he lost.
0: Yeah, so it's second for him too. So yeah. A veteran field. All right. Well, I'm gonna close the philosophical question, Ryan Ryan. So one perennial Briar favorite is not here. And the reason everyone loves him is because he tweets from the patch. So he's the best. He's the best Briar follow for sure on Twitter. But Jamie Cooey is not going to be here. So if they hold the Briar and Jamie Cooey isn't there, did the Briar really happen?
1: I'm going to say yes, because there's no patch. Like if Jamie Cooey goes, if Jamie Cooey, if there is a patch and Jamie Cooey doesn't go, then the Briar didn't really happen.
0: Do you think Jamie Cooley didn't go because there's no patch?
1: Um, <laughs>
0: <I> mean, <that's, laughs>
1: it's not a ridiculous question. I think that that's that's your answer. Is that that's not a ridiculous question? <laughs> All right. So who you got? Who
0: you, who you think is going to win it?
1: Like I want to say, I want to say like Epping, but. He's just as capable of sneaking into the championship pool with three losses and being out of it before the championship pool even starts. So, like, the safe bet is Cooey.
0: Cooey's a good bet. I'm going to go Jacobs. <laughs> That's the
1: understatement of the century, Jonathan, is that. Like
0: <laughs> like... I'm going to pick Jacobs, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So. I think, the, I think we saw in the Scotties, and I've said it before, the hitting game is less punished by um, the layoff than the touch game. Uh, I think that then favors hitting teams and especially power teams. And, you know, Jacobs has definitely been the best power team, right, for the last decade. Um, probably what sunk them is a little bit of the touch and rock placement. That's kind of how, that's basically how Gushu and Kui kind of nip. Jacobs teams every year in the playoffs is they're just that little bit better on the finesse side of things, but if it's going to become a power game, right? You've got Brad Jacobs, fantastic hitter, right? The whole lineup's fantastic hitting. Um, So I think I think that it slightly favors them. So that's why I'm going to pick them to win it. Okay,
1: they're in this. uh, McEwen's in his pool. You got two. Would you classify McEwen as a hitting team?
0: Yeah, I'd say they're both hitting teams. Like they're not like. You know, like modern game, they're both going to throw a lot of stones in play, but they're throwing stones in play to basically blast late in the game, and they're they're basically looking for the deuce and then, um, go from there. Like if you, if you just go look at their points per game on curling zone, they both are a little bit the lower end, so they basically they play for the deuce and the force, and they they pr- both primarily play run backs for that. So
1: is so yeah. a hitting team or a draw team?
0: Uh
1: kui is or do we know do we know now that johnny moe's there
0: <laughs> i i think kui play yeah i'd say kui is more of a draw team i think so the way i think about kui is he's kind of got this weird robot computer brain where he's setting up crazy angles to set something up and so one of the reasons Cooey's kind of like the high right wheel guy is he spent a lot of time rock placing to set up an in off or something tricky. Like he really plays for the trick shot.
1: Seven draws and a um, run back.
0: Basically. And the, the other way I think, cause he also plays poker mm-hmm. and I heard an interview where he was like talking about how he likes to play poker and that actually makes a lot of sense for how he plays an end. He basically, if you kind of follow poker on tour, He basically slow plays an end, but if he doesn't like it, he folds. And so the curling equivalent of folding would be blanking. So he's got the firepower to bail late and blank the end, but he's basically looking to go all in. So he basically either goes all in or blanks is how he plays. Okay. And I think that's basically poker strategy changed the curling strategy. Gushu is probably the most pure draw team right now. And Gushu's probably, if you want someone to draw a button for a win, you'd probably put your money on Gushu, although Kui's definitely done it in big games too.
1: It's, it's going to be fun.
0: It will be fun. So, Ryan, uh, that's it. But before we go, you said you had a few other things you wanted to talk about with respect to curling podcasts, just to let our listeners know about what's out there. So, go ahead, Ryan.
1: Yeah. I also want to finish up on the Briar. We're all looking forward to the Briar, especially here in the U S where you can watch the Briar. And I just had a couple things to say and kind of clear up how Americans can watch the Briar. Cause I saw some, uh, some confusion out there this year. If you are in the United States. It is possible to watch the, the Briar, and I do want to clear up how you can do that. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you have a certain level of tech savvy, but you might know someone who doesn't have your level of tech savvy. So the Briar and all of the Curling Canada events are available on ESPN3, and that is what ESPN brands its online streaming service but there's confusion now that ESPN plus exists and ESPN plus is ESPN's premium over the top streaming service. And it has a lot of soccer in it. It has a lot of mid major American college sports in it. It gets you access to all of, all of their 30 for 30 documentaries, but ESPN Plus requires a paid subscription on top of any other streaming or cable subscription that you might have. You have to pay ESPN six bucks a month to get ESPN Plus, regardless of any other subscription you have. Or if you have none, you can pay ESPN six dollars a month and get everything that's on ESPN Plus. But the streams of the TSN curling broadcast are not. On ESPN plus so it does not require an additional subscription to access these streams if you have a, if you have high speed internet it's very likely that your internet service provider gets you access to these games even if you don't have a cable subscription or don't have a streaming subscription like I tried this out I don't have cable I, my, but my internet service provider is one of the major ones, so all I had to do was go to the ESPN app on my connected TV or on my phone, and I could watch the games for free. You do not have to pay anything else. So log in using your internet or cable login at ESPN3.com or on the ESPN app on your phone or the ESPN app on your connected TV, and you can watch the Briar. It, this is all easily confusing and on a daily basis, I have, I have to explain to my friends and family, many of whom are very online, why they can't see a certain game. But please spread the word far and, ra- far and wide in the U.S. You can watch Curling Canada events on ESPN3.com or the ESPN app and you very likely have access to it um, unless you have some fly by night internet service provider, or you live in the woods and don't have internet or a cable, uh, if that's the case, then there are a lot of ways in which I envy you, but one of the ways I don't envy you is you probably can't watch the Briar, and you probably aren't listening to this anyway. Jonathan, how do you watch the Briar in England?
0: Oh, well, it's very simple, Ryan, and all you have to do if you're a listener is Google DNS proxy server. (laughs) Or a VPN, and uh, there's several services out there. I would I would actually recommend paying for a service that does this, not because um, there's some the free ones, and I, I'm pretty sure that, that just drops malware by the Russian Russian intelligence services on your computer. But it, there's paid ones that are kind of fairly secure. You can there's a whole bunch of ads, and uh, if anyone wants to advertise on the show, we're taking sponsorship money right now. And then um, what you need is a friend in Canada who uh, may or may not give you their login and password. And uh, so basically, you should be very nice to Canadians and uh, figure out how to use a DNS proxy server or a VPN that ungeo locks websites, which is also useful for Netflix because then you're not stuck with whatever crappy Netflix package you have in your country, but you can go to every country in the world and see whatever shows Netflix has anywhere.
1: Phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I wanna I also wanna just close this out real quick by shouting out some other curling podcasts that are out there. Of course, our friends from Game of Stones, they're doing a pod stack on Facebook Live after the afternoon draws every day during the Briar, which during the round robin, they'll go live at around six thirty PM Eastern. And Jonathan, you've made a couple of appearances on these.
0: Yeah, I, I try to go on the Saturday night one. So I, we, we haven't been great about pre-hyping it. So maybe we'll try to do that a bit better for the briar. But um, basically, first of all, follow Game of Stones on Facebook because that's where they promote it. So just like their webpage. Mm-hmm. And um, they will put the link up sometime during the day's draw. And you can just hop on in there and ask questions. And um. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they decide who to take as guests, but it can't be a very high standard because they keep inviting me back. So, um, <laughs> you know, you may even be able to sneak on the live stream too. But uh, I didn't promise that, Sean and Scott. They, but you know, message them because I think they're always looking for participants. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I think even just the chat going on there. There's like great questions, great comments from people, and it's it's kind of a nice way to to get a little community going and a good way to chat about the game after it happens. So. That's been a lot of fun. Are you going to pop by during the briar?
1: No. (laughs) Why not? 6.30 p.m. is like, if not the worst, one of the worst times for me to do anything that doesn't involve taking care of a toddler.
0: All right. Fair enough. So I will pop by twice and (laughs) uh, Ryan may come by and make snarky comments in the uh, Facebook chat box.
1: I was able to do. I was able to spend a good five minutes on one of them um, before before the toddler started a pillow fight, which of course he won. While I was while I was on, go check out. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but go check out the recording if you want to see me just get pummeled by a toddler on Facebook Live. It sounds good. Uh, Jonathan, friend of the program, Stephanie Thompson, is now part of the Curling Podcast family. Her new podcast, The Empowered Performance for Curlers Podcast, is now available, and it's for anyone interested in improving their curling fitness, and that means more than just high-performance athletes. It can mean club curlers who are looking to improve their mobility. It can be club curlers who are looking to improve their mobility, or they're just looking for things that can help them curl pain-free. So go check that one out. Uh, I recently discovered a relatively new one called the Brooms and Hacks podcast. This show is done by a junior curler named Haley Britton from Team Amanda Smith, which plays out of London, Ontario. Uh, She is currently four episodes in, and I particularly want to point people to her interview with Colin Hodgson. Uh, This was a really good conversation that they had about dealing with the pandemic and how it's changed us all in different ways, uh, about learning from your mistakes and about reassessing your relationship with curling. It was incredibly open and honest, and I can't recommend listening to it enough. And then finally, we like to think we cover curling at the grassroots level pretty well here on our show. But someone who really does a great job of drilling down into topics that do impact grassroots curling is the Coaching Kids Curling podcast by Coach Glenn Gabriel out of Pickering, Ontario. He talks to the people that are in the middle of the effort to grow our game at the grassroots level. The two episodes I've enjoyed the most so far uh, was his show about marketing the sport during the pandemic with the folks behind the Rocks and Rings program and his interview with Matt Bean, who is a coach in Quebec, who is an American expat that has only been curling about five years, and he's already creating a bunch of content and is a curling coach out of Quebec. So go check those out. All right. Jonathan, you're you're the you're the host, so I'm gonna make you tell people where to where to follow and like and contact us.
0: Oh yeah, that's very important. So, first of all, we need more five star reviews on Apple iTunes podcast, the purple app. Uh Ryan never shouts that out, but apparently that's how the algorithms find us. And our friends from Game of Stones have way more five star reviews than us. So please, please, please give us a five-star review. That would be fantastic. You can follow us on all the socials. I guess not Clubhouse yet, but maybe soon. But we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. And we are on Instagram. Uh, I think especially Instagram and Twitter are great follows because Ryan is constantly pumping out content on those. Lots of highlights, lots of clips. It's I basically follow that to find out what's going on in the curling world because Ryan's always updating um, the latest news and gossip from around the Wild World of Curling. So give us follows there. And please also tell your friends to listen to our podcast. Uh, we've been doing really well in the pandemic, and we want to thank you all. We've kind of grown our our listening, our listening listeners and followers tremendously, but we want to keep doing that so we can keep doing um, more great shows through 2022 and the road to Beijing. So thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back next week with more of Rocks Across the Pond.